Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 22, and we are recording on Wednesday, March 28th. I'm Katie McLean, along with Rincey Abraham, and we're coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Katie. Hello, Rincey. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Oh, a little allergy season-ish, but that's to be expected. Yeah, it's starting to warm up here in Chicago, so that's bound to happen. I am one of those people where I think I have allergies, but they're like mild enough that I've never actually gotten tested for it. But every now and then I just get like really itchy eyes or like just kind of like stuffed up or like just sneezing a lot. And I can't seem to tell why. And I think I'm allergic to something, but I like haven't been to the doctor to get tested for it. Yeah, at that point, it almost it doesn't really matter, you know, just pop a pop a couple of what I don't know, Claritin or something, you'll be good to go. Yeah, seriously. It's like it never it's never bad enough that I feel like super impacted. But I'm just like, I can just like grab a Benadryl or something if I really need it. (laughs) Oh, all right. Well, I will get started um, to give a little uh, to explain the show. And then and then before we get into the meat of the show, I'm going to talk about the Lizzie Borden experience. Which I'm very excited to hear about. Yes. Okay. So first, the standard stuff. Um, So if you are a new listener for the show, welcome. We talk about mysteries and thrillers and true crime and everything in between. We talk about books and movie adaptations and stuff happening in the news and just anything that falls under that general mystery, suspense, thriller um, umbrella, so to speak. And we um, we also like to mention or do a... Um, a call for any suggestions or topics or uh, reading suggestions or anything along those lines that um, that you listeners might be interested in, um, because then that takes some of the pressure off of us of trying to come up with something to talk about every two weeks. And we also want to make sure that we're talking about stuff that's interesting. So if you have any uh, suggestions or questions or anything that you that you think would be uh, interesting for us to talk about on the show, let us know because we we love um, we love getting suggestions from people, and we've a couple of the uh, reader. Uh, reader request uh, shows that we've done. We've done uh, Cozy Mysteries. We've done uh, Noir and Hard Boiled Mysteries. Um, I, I know I'm missing another one in there, but uh, but yeah, we really love hearing suggestions. So if you have any, make sure to reach out to us. We'll give, uh, we'll give our uh, contact information at the end of the episode. Um, so if you listen to Last the last episode from a couple weeks ago, I mentioned that I was going to be heading out east for a long weekend with a couple of friends, and uh, we were going to be spending time in Providence, which is 20, 25 minutes away from Fall River, Massachusetts, which is where the Lizzie Borden house is located. So because my friends and I are very... Uh, very interested in the dark and the macabre, we said, okay, yeah, we definitely have to take a house tour. So we did. A couple weeks ago, we went to Fall River. We visited the Lizzie Borden house, which is both huge and tiny. Like, it's like three stories and like it seems... And it seems pretty big, like when you're standing on the front steps, you're like, wow, this place is pretty tall. But then you get inside and it's actually like really cramped and claustrophobic. Um, But we... They do like... So like 45 minutes, 45 minutes to an hour. Um, they and they we there was a small group of people. Um, at the, at the very beginning of our tour, there was a family there that had brought two tiny children with them. Like literally, the oldest one was probably about three or four, and the youngest one was probably. I don't know, year and a half, maybe two. He was not talking yet. And he was climbing over everything and like pulling on the antique lace curtains. And they lasted about five minutes into the tour. And sorry, that does not seem like a good way to spend a family vacation. Like, I don't, until your kids are like teenagers. (laughs) Yeah. This does not seem like a good choice. (laughs) 
Yeah, everyone in the group was kind of giving them a little bit of side eye. Um, and then the the youngest kid started fussing, and the mom was trying to explain. She's like, well, I really wanted to come here, and I couldn't get anyone to watch the kids. And I'm like, then you don't get to come here. I'm sorry, you don't bring you don't bring your two-year-old to the Lizzie Borden house. I just feel like that's just, like, I don't know, basic rules of being a, being a human. Um, so, yeah, they after he got fussy enough, they left. And everyone else in the group, which was... Uh, my two friends, me, and then two other, um, two other women who are about our age, maybe a little bit younger. And then that was it for the group. And we're like, okay, now we can have a nice relaxing time, so to speak. Um, but what I, what was really cool about doing this tour is that I, last episode, I also mentioned that I was in the middle of reading, um, the book, See What I Have Done by Sarah Schmidt. And so I was essentially reading the book, which is, um, which takes a lot of the facts that we know of from the Lizzie Borden case, and it fictionalizes them, but it ta- but it bases the story on a lot of those facts and um, that came out in the court cases and stuff like that. So I was reading the book and going through the house basically at the same time. So they talk about when the family's sitting in the dining room and having you know their mutton broth and their mutton soup. I'm like I was literally standing in the dining room, like where they where they would have been sitting, and we were in the room where Lizzie's father was found on the on the couch. The it's not the same couch in there anymore, but you know this was the room, and we would go you know we'd go upstairs, and the the furniture isn't still the same because it's it's a bed and breakfast, so there you're not going to be sleeping on. <laughs> you know, the antique beds or anything like that. Those, they're reproductions. But, you know, we were up in the, we were up in uh, Lizzie's stepmother, where Lizzie's stepmother was found, where she was making up the, making up the bed in the guest room. It's like the, this, the furniture is placed exactly the way it was when she was found. Um, And this is a very famous photograph of, of her stepmother on the floor after being murdered. And it's like, that's the space on the floor. Like, we were standing right there. Like, my friend got a picture of me where I, I was standing right there. I was looking a little out of place. I was holding a Starbucks cup and looking up at her like, what? <laughs> um, but it was really surreal to kind of to see these these spots in this in the house. And like the door, like the door frames and the doorknobs are mostly all original. So the tour guide was like, yeah, so when you, when you open a doorknob, you're using the same doorknob that Lizzie Borden touched. And I'm like, why do I think this is so cool? (laughs) (laughs) But it was really interesting. Um, Of course, you don't get any kind of uh, sad, like, you, you don't you, you don't end the tour thinking, oh, gosh, I understand what happened now. Like, it, there's all of these bits and pieces that are just confused, and it's it's still, you're not entirely sure what happened. Um, but it was it was just really surreal to be to be visiting this historical site where this where this infamous these infamous murders took place and also reading the book at the same time. It was really cool. Um so if you go to the Lizzie Borden house, um I do highly suggest reading if not see what I have done by Sarah Schmidt then something about the Lizzie Borden murders because that was that was a really cool experience. Um and so now my only thing left is to actually spend a night there because <laughs> I that that that's how that's what I do. That's how I do. Yeah, you and, you can't see me, but as soon as you said that, I started shaking my head. I'm like, nope, <laughs> nope. Yeah, and and I and I am also one of those people. Like, I love watching all of like those ghost hunter shows and stuff like that. I'm totally into that stuff. So when the tour guide was talking about, oh yeah, like like you know, a few nights ago we had this family that like practically ran out of here screaming like at six o'clock in the morning, and I'm like, what? <laughs> And the other people in the group are going, Mm-mm, I wouldn't stay here. And I'm like, I would totally stay here. Nope. <laughs> so it, it just it just sets me apart. But yeah, it was really cool. It was a short tour, but it was it was super interesting. I'm so glad we went. Yeah, that does sound really cool. I would totally do the tour. I would never stay overnight. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, t- I told my fiance, I was just like, just so you know, this is on our bucket list. And he's like, oh, God, Okay. <laughs> This is what happens when you marry me. This is in the contract. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He didn't read the fine print. <laughs> all right. That sounds amazing. And I'm glad that you got to go and was able to share it with all of us. I was very much, I really was looking forward to hearing how it went. Because I, you like stuff like that always sounds really cool. But then at the same time, it could end up being really lame depending on how they set it up and how they do the tour. So it's cool that that's cool. So 
for anyone who's interested, if you're nearby or live on the East Coast or visiting near the East Coast in that area, then you should definitely check it out. Definitely. All right. So we have a handful of news items that uh, we want to go over. Uh, Some of this is uh, just various news, whether it be adaptations or book announcements, things like that. Um, The first one that I'm going to talk about is that there have been some updates to the Woman in the Window adaptation that's happening. Um, The book by A.J. Finn that came out in January was very quickly picked up by a production company to be able to be adapted into a feature-length film. And so Joe Wright has been signed on to direct the film. Um, that name might not sound familiar, but he just directed um, Darkest Hour, the Winston Chir- Churchill biopic. And he's also adapted Pride and Prejudice and Atonement in the past. Uh, so he definitely has a lot of experience with adapting books into movies as well as like doing it very well like I haven't seen Darkest Hour but I definitely have seen Pride and Prejudice and Atonement and I love those movies so that's really exciting um they've also listed um that Tracy Letts um who wrote August Osage County is writing the script and then Scott Rudin who produced No Country for Old Men and Social Social Network and Eli Bush uh, who produced Lady Bird are all a part of the film. I think those two are producing the picture Um, and then it's going to be uh, released by Fox 2000. So there's a lot of really good names attached to this adaptation. I've been kind of like on the fence about reading this book because whenever books are super hyped I tend to like back away from them a little bit but with all of these names attached now I feel like I'm more inclined to read the book so that way I can at least read the book before the adaptation. I don't know how you feel if you were planning on picking this up or not. I actually did start reading it um, around when it came out. I have I have an advanced copy of it that I got like almost a year ago now. Um, and it's it just it wasn't the right book for me at the time. I didn't get very far into it, like maybe 50 pages, but I, I don't even think I got that far. And I liked what I had read. It just wasn't the right fit at the time. Um, but I had the same reaction because at first I was like, you know, I don't know who Joe Wright is. But then I was looking at his credentials. Um, and as soon as I saw Atonement, I went, OK, I'm sold. Um, I actually, funny enough, I just finished rereading Atonement um, actually while I while I was out in Providence and. That book and that movie, oh my god, yeah. start the waterworks. I get choked up every time I read or watch that movie. Um, so I'm so I'm I'm cautiously optimistic, I think. Yeah, and there's well, I mean, I've heard like mixed things when it comes to the books. Like I know a handful of people who really, really loved it, and I know some people like just thought it thought it was okay. But I think that like with all these names attached, I feel like even if you didn't like love the book, there's a very good chance that the movie by itself will be really good. So I'm kind of just excited to see how it gets adapted. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and this and this will definitely be one that I'll want to read before um, that I'll want to read before the uh, before the movie comes out. Um, so next on our list, so we don't have much information on it, but according to Twitter, J.K. Rowling has finished writing the latest Robert Galbraith novel, which I am super excited for. I loved all three of the of the Cormoran Strike books. They're so interesting, and they just get progressively darker. So I'm 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 actually a little. <laughs> I'm a little apprehensive about about what this one is going to be like because the third one, even for me, was like, "Holy cow, we're kind of this this is this is intense." Um, but uh, J.K. Rowling on her Twitter posted a picture of her white horse flash drive that just says "finished hashtag Lethal White," which is the name of the next book. Um, so, other than that, we don't really have any new information, but there will hopefully be a tentative publication date coming out soon. I would like it sooner rather than later because I've I've really been jonesing for another Cormoran Strike book. Um especially with the way the last one ended with with the oh, characters. Man. And I won't get into the spoilers, but I just need to know what's going on with all of these characters. Ah, so so hopefully that comes out very quickly. <laughs> yeah, I got I Got so excited when I saw that she was done. Well, I know. I think they said that there's a 2019 date. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's what the like tentative like year date. Like it's not going to come out this year. I don't think. I could be making that up. You can 
tell me if I'm wrong, people who are listening, if you know better than I do. But I mean, even just knowing like if she's just finished it, it also didn't say like, did she just finish writing it? Because that means it still needs to be edited and whatnot. I mean, I'm sure that they have they'll like fast track it, you know, to get this out as soon as possible. But I, w- I mean, it would be nice to get it this fall. But I'm I would assume next year, probably the way things go in the book world. Yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately. But hey, at least we know another one's coming. So all right. Um, the next one is sort of like a book announcement, adaptation announcement. And I wanted to mention this one just because the book sounds so cool. Um, I hadn't heard of the book until I saw um, someone post about this uh, movie adaptation. Um, so there is this book coming out called My Sister, the Serial Killer by Oyin Khan. Oh, I'm totally going to butcher her name. Braithwaite. I'm so sorry to the writer for butchering that name. She is a Nigerian writer, and this is her debut novel, and it's a slasher satire. And it was picked up by a UK production company um, to be, I I don't know if they, uh, yeah, they set into a feature. Um, So it could be becoming a movie eventually, but the book isn't even out yet. Um, The book comes out, I'm checking on this, I believe it's this fall in the United States, and it sounds amazing. Like the way that they have pitched it, it says satire meets slasher in this short, darkly funny hand grenade of a novel about a Nigerian woman whose younger sister has the very inconvenient habit of killing her boyfriends. And I'm like, I read that sentence and I'm like, I'm in. <laughs> tell me, tell me, where do I pick this up? Um, so yeah. Oh yeah. This book comes out on November 13th. I should have remembered that because I specifically tweeted this out and been like, happy birthday to me because it comes out the day after my birthday. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I'm just really excited about this book. And so I'm just mentioning it super early. It's again, it's very early in the production process, like the rights have just been picked up. So who knows if slash when it'll actually become a feature length film. And obviously, it'll depend on how like it does sales wise, I'm sure like if it's a huge seller, it'll get pushed up the production line. Um, So yeah, this is just a heads up that if that sounds like something you would be interested in. I highly recommend looking this one up. Again, it's called My Sister, the Serial Killer. And the cover for this is beautiful. It's like one of those books that I'm like, oh my gosh, I definitely would just buy this because of the cover. So yes, definitely Google that if you haven't already. Yeah, I remember you posting about it on Twitter a few days ago. And I I read the description. I went, I'm in. Oh my gosh, I need this book right now. Um, And the, the cover, I agree. The cover is fantastic. I am going to have to... If I have to move heaven and earth to get an advanced copy of this book, I will, because this just sounds so good. Oh, no, I will get you the hookup because I was completely like blatantly like, hey, I think Dutton, no, not Dutton, Doubleday is putting out uh, this book. And I literally tweeted at them. I was like, hey, Doubleday, can you send me this book? And they DM me and they're like, yeah, sure. It's not ready yet, but we'll let you know. And I'm like, yes. And then I told them I know other people who are excited about it. And they're like, great. We'll get in contact when it's close, when we're actually sending out ARCs. I'm like, yes. Perfect. Perfect. Yes, I am going to I have got to hop on the list for that book. Um, And then finally, as if you have been listening to the podcast since the beginning, you know that Rincey and I are a little way too excited about the Bill Clinton, James Patterson uh, co-written book that's coming out. I think it's in June. Uh, The President is Missing. And they have a book trailer that's that's out now. So we'll have a link in the show notes. Um, There's not really much to say other than there's a book trailer. I have not had a chance to watch it yet, but Rincey says that it's that it's adorably awkward <laughs> and um and they are i uh, i don't know if it mentions it in the in the link but they are also going to be doing a book tour once once the book comes out so we're both like i think we might need to we might need to get tickets to this book tour thing <laughs> so we can so we can uh, experience this in person so um if you don't already have the president is missing on your radar for this summer get it on your radar now this is i mean james patterson comes out with a billion books but i'm yeah i'm i'm hilariously excited for this one yeah same i um so the book trailer i have to say is literally just the two of them talking so it's not even like a typical book trailer where they like tease the book a little bit i mean they talk about it a little bit but it's just it's really funny the way they talk about the book but also yeah like um katie mentioned there are they are going on tour and there i think the link that i posted does have the dates and the locations so 
They seem to be going pretty much like all across the country. James Patterson isn't on all the dates. It's actually like being listed on like President Clinton's website as like his tour, which I find to be even more amazing. I think in Chicago, it's only going to be President Clinton. Um, But I kind of wanted to see the two of them together just to see how they interact with each other. Um, But I think no matter what, if we can get tickets to that show in Chicago, that would be a fantastic way to like kick off reading this book. Yeah, absolutely. And that also just kind of just confirms my suspicions of what actually happens when James Patterson co-writes a book with another author. He's like, just kind of sticking his name on it. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, it's pretty much the other person. But I would I would go see Bill Clinton talk about this fantastic sounding book. I know. I feel like part of me just wants to see him talk. Like, I feel like he's gonna like fanboy out about this book. Like, I because... It sounds like something that he, like, he just seems like a little kid all the time. So (laughs) I feel like just going to watch him talk about this book would be a really, really fun experience. (laughs) All right, we'll put that on our calendars then, and we'll keep all the rest of you updated. All right, so uh, let's get to the first sponsor for this episode, uh, which which we have talked about before. It's the book Sometimes I Lie by Alice Feeney. My name is Amber Reynolds. There are three things you should know about me. I'm in a coma. My husband doesn't love me anymore, and sometimes I lie. Uh, this book is being described as, like, if you liked The Woman in the Window, which we had just talked about, if you liked that book, if you like big, newsworthy psychological thrillers, you gotta pick up Sometimes I Lie. And uh, the author of The Woman in the Window, A.J. Finn, calls it marvelous, a a provocative true or false thriller. So if this sounds like something that's up your alley, which I'm guessing is probably up a lot of our alleys, uh, make sure you pick up a copy of Sometimes I Lie by Alice Feeney. And thank you very much for once again sponsoring the show. All right. So for this episode, we decided to just do a little bit of a backlist catch up binge sort of thing um as i'm sure is true for a lot of you guys who are listening to this there are a lot of books coming out all the time and sometimes like there are books that we always mean to pick up and then we just don't have time to get to it or we just like prioritize other books coming out first or we prioritize front list a lot of times especially like katie and i were trying to like keep up with the things that are coming out new that we don't read as much backlist stuff as we would like so we decided for this episode we would do a little bit of a backlist dive we each pick something that's been either sitting on our shelves or just something we've been meaning to read for a really long time for this episode and just talk about it a little bit. And also to give you guys a little bit of some backlist stuff that you can pick up because obviously not everyone reads front list all the time, especially like I'm someone who likes picking up books and paperback, especially if I'm buying them. So this might be a good one for you to get some suggestions that you might not hear about all the time. All right. Why don't you, why don't you go ahead and kick, kick us off? Because I am really interested to hear about what you thought of your first book. <laughs> okay. So the one I went with is a classic that literally everyone has heard of, but I had never read before. And it's In Cold Blood by Truman Capote. And if you have not heard of In Cold Blood or you're not sure what it is, um, this is basically considered like the first true crime novel ever. Um It follows, um, it takes place in 1959 in a small town in Kansas, and these uh, four family members, the Cutter family, were savagely murdered. And so Truman Capote basically, like, reconstructs the crime and talks to the people that knew the Cutter family and the people who lived in this town to sort of put together what exactly happened. Um, I will just say up front, I loved it. It was so well done. Like, this is one of those books where I went into it slightly hesitant because I there is so much hype around it and so many people adore it that I was like I'm gonna be the one person who doesn't like it just watch and then I'm gonna have to like explain to a bunch of people why I don't like this book but I actually really really enjoyed it like it's so well written and like the thing that I had always heard about this book is that it's written like fiction like a lot of nonfiction. I guess to some people it can seem really dry or just seem very much like in the facts. But the way Truman Capote wrote this book is that it feels like a story, like it's more story than like factually based, like it's not heavy in like science or anything like that. Obviously, like this was written before like DNA and all that stuff was very standard, but I think that he very much focuses on the life of this family, the life of the people in this town and the life of the people who committed the crime. And it focuses a lot on 
you know, trying to catch them and trying to figure out their motives and like what they decided to do and how like everything sort of wraps up. I don't know if like there are spoilers for like a book that's over like 60 years old at this point, uh, but I won't say too much about like the crime itself or the criminals and like, you know, what happens in the end and all this stuff. But I think that Truman Capote does a really good job of just like getting in the heads of all of these different people he presents and like, especially the criminals. Um, it's really interesting. Like whenever I read true crime books like this, my favorite ones are the ones that like put me in like, not that there's ever a good reason to obviously murder people, but like at least explain their point of view or provide some sort of like humanity to them. Because I think a lot of times it's really easy to just write people off, obviously. Um, and not that it like forgives what they did. This was like a horrific, horrific crime, but just like there are parts in here where you actually, there's, Parts in here where I felt really bad for some of the things that were happening to them, <laughs> which sounds really weird and is like such an odd feeling to have about like murderers. But Truman Capote just like puts you in a puts you as the reader in the perspective of like what they were going through and like even just stuff that happened to them in the past. And just yeah, it's so good. It's like the hype is so true like it's such a good book and it's at such a high bar for true crime that I can only imagine that like if this was your first true crime novel reading experience ever like I I don't think I've read one that's better at least so far wow that I was gonna say I, I the reason why I was interested in hearing what you said about it was because I hated it when I read it but in my defense, I read it like a, almost a decade and a half ago in high school for a project. So I don't remember much about it. And as we all know, our reading interests and preferences and tastes when we were teenagers are typically, they, they mature and expand as we get older. Um, so this is, that book has actually been on my list of books to reread because I don't think I gave it a fair shot when I, when I had to read it the first time. Um, also, I just, I wasn't, I, do, I wasn't attuned to, like, nuance and in stuff, like, in, in writing, and especially if it's, like, a mystery or true crime. Like, I wanted it to be, like, oh, intense, in your face, that kind of, that kind of stuff, because I was, like, really into horror at that point. I just wanted, like, I just wanted a really intense reading experience, and it wasn't intense for me. Um, even though my, my teacher gave me kind of a content warning beforehand, he was like, you know, I... Uh, he, he he was saying, you know, this is a, this is true crime. Like it was nonfiction. It's kind of bloody. I don't want this to be upsetting to you. And I was like, I'm fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm I'm really glad to hear that it holds up and that I should definitely give it another chance. Yeah, I will say a couple of things. Like it gets off to a slow start. Um, which I think will deter a lot of people if they don't know what they're getting into because they Truman Capote provides a lot of background on the family uh, prior to like them getting murdered. So like it takes a while before you're really in the meat of the story. I think it's broken up into three parts, either three or four parts. And the entire first part is all just backstory. So like reading through that first part is like a little bit of a slog, I will say. Um, but once you get into part two, in my opinion, it like takes off from there. So I would say like if you are reading this book for the first time or you're rereading it in this case, um, get through part one and get into part two before you really like see how you're feeling about it. Because I feel like part one was a little bit tough to get into. I mean, the book is not like super long, so it's not like part one took forever to get through. Um, so that helps, but I will say that it gets off to a slow start. So that might deter people from enjoying it. And that also might be a reason why in high school you didn't like it. Cause I know at least when I was in high school, if it starts off like poorly, then I'm just like, write the book off. <laughs> Yeah, I was not a fan of the of the slow start at the slow burn type of novel, but that has changed in over the years. So, okay. Okay, I will definitely keep that one on my list. Um and then for my book um that I guess technically hasn't been on my reading list for as long as other books have um because I only really started hearing about this book after I started um 
writing for uh, Book Riot, which is has it's almost two years now, not um, not quite. Um, but the book is out by Natsuo Kirino. And I just heard a bunch of rioters talking about this book. It's a psychological thriller about um, about a there are these four women that all work the same night shift at this factory, and one of the women um, she is where they all have their own unsatisfying lives to certain to one extent, but one of the women is um she's abused by her husband so um minor content warning for that um and her husband he drinks he gambles away all of their money and finally she has just had enough and she kills him and then the and, and with the help of one of the with kind of the main character whose name is Masako um Masako kind of becomes like the ringleader and she kind of gets everyone uh, she kind of gets everyone involved in helping to cover up the murder. And it's like, there's, there's uh, some gruesome descriptions where like, she literally gets two of the other women and herself, they get the body, bring it into Masako's bathroom, and then they proceed to dismember the body. And I, and it's, it's like it's gross because they give more details than I necessarily wanted to read, and that's coming from me. Um, but it's also there's such a there's there's almost like a surreal quality to this because like they're they're kind of they're they're coworkers. They're kind of like in between acquaintances and friends. Like you think of something like, oh yeah, I would I would do this for my best friend. You know, I would I would help my best friend hide the body. That t- that type of thing. Um, but they don't have that relationship, so it's really like it's really interesting to see how these women kind of come into this. And there's you know there's lying, there's blackmail, there's you know there's all kinds of stuff going on. And I. Because I have not yet figured out how to plan my my uh, signed reading yet, I have not finished it yet. But I have I've torn through like over half of the book in about a day and a half. It's a it's um when I first started, it seemed like it was going to be kind of a slow, dense read, but it's gone really quickly, and it's just it's it's a nasty kind of book. Like there are moments where like there are certain side um subplots and sidetracks where where the story slows down a little bit but these four women at the core of it are really interesting and they're they're complicated i wouldn't and like you think that you're kind of on the side of one one or two of these women but then they but then you realize like oh no 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 i don't know if i'm if i'm totally down with this like and it and like they and there are issues like where one of the women in the group is not the sharpest knife in the drawer and they give her the task of because they they basically put the body into like 50 some like these large like garbage bag kind of things and they divvy up the pieces of the body and like give a certain number to each person to um to get rid of throughout the city and the woman uh, the one woman who's who's like I said, not not the brightest one in the group. She she takes her bags and she dumps them in the garbage cans at a local park, pretty close to where to where the the actual cutting of the body took place. And like within a day or two, the police find it. And so you have complications from all of that. So it's not like you know these four really close, tightly knit friends, which has its own psychological elements to it. These are like four co-workers who know each other and are friendly and then find themselves all in the sharing this really really horrific gruesome experience um so i'm really excited to see how it plays out um i've heard different things about about people's reactions once they finish the book so i'm interested to see um what my reactions will be when i finish it but i like i said i've been tearing through this and i bought a copy of it at half price books like at least a year ago and it's just been sitting on my shelf going why haven't you read this yet so when we decided we were going to do the backlist uh catch up thing for this for this episode i was like all right i will finally take you off the shelf and read you and so far it's it's been very very interesting 
Yeah, that's one that I was the same. It's the same thing where I didn't know about this book until like book. I saw people at Book Riot talking about it, and it's been on my like radar forever to check out, but I have not uh, picked it up yet. So I'm interested to see sort of. I'm I'm glad that you're liking it so much. I do want to pick it up eventually, and I'm interested to see sort of what your reaction is when you finish. Yeah, we'll we'll follow up in the next episode. Yeah. <laughs> And also, for the record, this is not really a signed reading because it's not that big of a deal if you don't finish because you can still talk about it. <laughs> yes, but I I am a completist. And if I'm really enjoying a book, I want to be able to talk about fully how much I really enjoyed it. Um, and so I I think, yeah, I'm going to for the next week or so, I'm going to be completing books that I've talked about reading on this show and then haven't gotten to yet. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we move on, I do want to mention one more book that I finished recently. That's not really it's kind of backlist in the sense of like it's a little bit older now, but it's not it's still in hardcover, I think. Um, but it's Righteous by Joe Ide. And this is a book that I feel like I've had on my list forever because I read IQ last year and then Righteous came out in October. And I got an advanced copy of it, too. So I've had it for even longer than it's been out. Um, and I finally picked it up for this episode, partially coincidentally and partially because we were doing sort of like a catch up type of episode. Um, if you haven't heard us talk about it before, IQ uh, was the debut novel for Joe Ide and you are following this character named Isaiah Quintabe or IQ as everyone calls him. Um, he lives in basically like South Central LA and he is extremely smart and he was like on his way to go to Harvard when um, his brother is killed. And he gets like derailed and everything. And so in order to sort of like get by, he starts like solving these small crimes or not even crimes, but like sort of like these small mysteries around the neighborhood. And he doesn't even get paid all the time. Like a lot of times people will just like give him food or like whatever they can scrape by in order to uh, get through it. Um, So Righteous is the second book in the series. And I'm still really enjoying the series. I will say that the second book had a little bit of a sophomore slump situation to it. It's not that it's bad, but I think that one of the mysteries happening in the story or one of the long-term mysteries that's being explored in the series is what happened to um, IQ's brother. Um, His brother died in a hit and run accident. And so IQ wants to figure out like who is behind it. And so that gets fleshed out significantly more in the second book. And so there was just a lot of like info dumping a lot of times because there's this mystery as well as the other mystery. Um, In this one, you are um, following um, basically it's like when uh, IQ's brother's old girlfriend, uh, her sister ends up has like gambling debts and things like that and ends up like owing to Chinese gangsters and they end up getting like kidnapped and their father's involved in this like really complicated situation. And so the like main mis- the mystery in this book always feels like a secondary mystery. Um, and the main mystery feels more like what's happening to um, or what happened to IQ's brother. Um, I still really enjoy IQ as a character. He's really interesting. He gets a lot of comparisons to Sherlock Holmes. And I can definitely see like agree with that. Like he's very like socially awkward, I suppose, is the best phrase way to explain it. He doesn't know exactly like the best way to like handle friendships or relationships Um like even just like the people that he meets on a regular basis, like he's not very friendly or um, knows how to like strike up typical conversations, things like that. Um, he has a f- sidekick basically named Dodson, who I love. I think when the two of them together, it's so much fun. Um, it's kind of like a Sherlock and Watson sort of situation. Um, so if you haven't checked out the series yet, I recommend picking up the first book, IQ. I think that this is one that you do need to read in order. Um, don't just go and pick up Righteous because, again, they talk a lot about things that have happened to um, IQ's brother and all of that is set up in the first book. So definitely start with IQ. I think that there's a third book coming out this fall, which is another reason why I wanted to pick up this one. So that way I can sort of stay like in time with the releases because when you fall behind and especially with these mystery series when you fall behind on one and suddenly there's like four books out of the series and you're like what happened uh so i wanted to stay on top of this one and just mention that one really quickly yeah that one that's another one that like yeah, has been on my list for a while but i'm also notoriously bad at keeping up with series like even if i'm even if i find like i'm not a series person in general but even if i 
I find one that I really like, it takes me months after the second book or the next book comes out before I before I read it. The only exception to that is the ton of French books because as soon the last two books I've been able to get advanced copies of and as soon as I got those bad boys downloaded onto my iPad, I was like, don't talk to me. <laughs> like I'm reading this thing. I don't care if I have to, you know, I don't care if I'm only getting three hours of sleep tonight. I'm reading this. <laughs> so, um, but I'm 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 glad I'm glad to know that that Righteous is still good and hopefully hopefully it uh Hopefully the the third one will kind of kick kick itself out of the the sophomore slump. I don't know. Is there is there a term if the third book isn't as good as the first one? Not is there like a junior? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I can't come up with a good alliteration. Yeah, I was like, I, I have nothing. I was like triple something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I there. I I mean, I can't get into it too much. But the way that they finish the second book gives makes me very optimistic for the third book. So that's, well, that's all I'll good. say there. That's good. It finishes strong. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, so I'm going to do our second sponsor for this episode. And it is Libby, who is actually also sponsoring the Read Harder Challenge. So if you're doing the Read Harder Challenge, um, a couple of, I think, yeah, all, almost all of these books would fit into one of the challenges. There's a true crime challenge. So you can definitely do In Cold Blood for that. In Cold Blood would probably also work for, uh, there's a classic, um, classic, book in like classic genre book sorry um and then i think there's also like a read uh mystery by a person of color so obviously we've mentioned a couple of here so those are some great ones for the read harder task um but we are here to talk about libby and libby is the one tap reading app that is powered by overdrive so you can download Libby to your smartphone or to like your iPad, and it allows you to borrow thousands of ebooks and audiobooks for free anytime. Um, this is connected to your local library, so you can find library books in all sorts of genres and ranging from bestsellers, classics, nonfiction, comics, and so much more. Um, Libby works on both Apple and Android devices, and it's also uh, compatible with Kindle. So if you like to read ebooks on your Kindle, you can download it on Libby and then send it to your Kindle device. All you need is a library card. And in select locations, Libby will actually get you signed up for a library card instantly. Um, but if you don't have a library card, you can also use Libby to sample books uh, that's in the collection. So if you are interested in checking out Libby, I love Libby. I use it all the time, especially for audiobooks. It's so much better than the OverDrive app used to be. Um, so if you are using the OverDrive app, I highly recommend checking out Libby instead because this is such a better design, so much cleaner, so much easier to use, more intuitive in my opinion. Um, but you can learn more at meet.libbyapp.com and definitely check it out, especially if you are someone who regularly uses their library for ebook and audiobook reading. Yep. I give it, once again, I give it two thumbs up. Librarian stamp of approval. I love Libby. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it's my turn this week to do the new releases. So I've got kind of a kind of a wide range here, um, but we're gonna kick stuff off with a cozy mystery, a cozy food mystery called "Death by Dumpling" by Vivian Vivian Chen Chen. I know I'm pronouncing that wrong, um, but this book came out on Tuesday, so you can uh, you can pick this one up already. And the tagline for this book is "Welcome to the Holy Noodle House, where the Chinese food is to die for." And the main character is Lana Lee, and she is back at her family's Chinese restaurant after she's had some big changes in her life. She figures that helping to wait tables is the best option for putting her life back together, even if that means having to deal with her mother, who is dead set on finding a husband for Lana. But that kind of gets pushed to the back burner, so to speak, when the restaurant's property manager, Mr. Feng, turns up dead after he after he ate a delivery of shrimp dumplings from Ho Lee. But everyone knows that this should not have happened because everyone knows about his severe life-threatening shellfish allergy. So now everyone in the restaurant is under suspicion for murder, and the local media is going nuts over this. And then there, on top of that, there is also a gorgeous police detective who keeps turning up for, for some takeout. And it's up to Lana to find out who is behind Feng's killer order before her own number is up. Um, so that is Death by Dumpling by Vivian Chen. And it sounds like this would be a great book if you like cozy mysteries or food-related puns. <laughs> um, 
And then on the exact opposite end of the spectrum, we have Glimpse by Jonathan Mayberry, which is also, um, which also came out on Tuesday, so you can pick this one up as well. And this is like a mystery horror mashup. And uh, it's described as a chilling thriller that explores what happens when reality and nightmares converge and how far one will go to protect the innocent when their own brain is a threat. The main character is Rain Thomas, who is, um, she has, she was an addict for seven years. She spent three years clean. Uh, she had to give up a baby for adoption when she was 16. The baby's father uh, died in Iraq, so she's alone. She doesn't have her family. Basically, the only people she has in her life right now are her uh, friends from her NA meetings and also the voices in her head. So one morning when she's on her way to a job interview, she borrows a pair of reading glasses to take to look over her resume and there's a small crack in one lens and through that piece of glass she sees a young boy go running down the aisle of the subway and he appears to be screaming is it with laughter or is he screaming with terror she doesn't know and when she tries to find the boy he's gone and no one has seen him and then from there the day just spins out of control she starts losing chunks of time the voices she hears are telling her horrible things the and then there's the appearance of Dr. 9 who is a spectral boogeyman that was conjured in her or conjured in drug-induced hallucinogens is now hunting her in the real world. And Dr. Nine is also chasing that mysterious boy who looks very much like Rain's dead boyfriend. Is he related to the boy that she gave up for adoption? She's not sure. She has to she begins a mother's quest for her lost child through a world where reality and nightmare are in a head-on collision. And how far will one person go to save someone they love? Jonathan Mayberry, I've read a couple of his books. He writes fantastic horror novels. They're really intense. They're fantastic. So I was really excited to hear about this one, which blends some, you know, kind of surreal horror themes in with this this other mystery as well. Um, on the horror end of the spectrum, this sounds like it would, it would, uh, sounds a little bit like the plotline to uh, Nosferatu by Joe Hill, uh, which was also a great horror novel. Um, but this one sounds super interesting. So I've got this one high up on my list to check out. And again, that is called Glimpse by Jonathan Mayberry. And then finally, we have Too Close to Breathe by Olivia Kiernan, which comes out next Tuesday on April 3rd. And this book takes place in Dublin. And in Dublin, in a Dublin suburb, uh, a woman named Eleanor Costello is found hanging in her house. The, the detective chief superintendent, Frankie Sheehan, would, really wants to uh, write this off as a suicide. Uh, Frankie almost lost her life um, four months ago pursuing a murderer. She's not really keen on investigating another homicide so soon, but the autopsy reveals some strange things like poorly healed bones, old stab wounds that weren't mentioned in her medical records. Um, there's a, She finds a new cut on the body covered in paint. Eleanor's husband is missing, and a search of the couple's home reveals two signs of personality, a much-loved book on art and a laptop with access to the dark web. With the suspect pool growing, the profile of the victim that they've created starts to crumble as more information comes out, and mysterious calls to Frankie's phone implies that the killer is closer than anyone would, would like. And all Frankie knows is that Eleanor guarded her secrets as closely in life as she does in death. And then another woman is found murdered, same paint on her corpse, and Frankie knows that unraveling Eleanor's life is the only way to find the murderer before he claims another victim. And again, that's Too Close to Breathe by Olivia Kiernan. And when I read this description, I thought this sounded like a ton of French novel, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. I was thinking that, like, it sound the plot reminds me a lot of Broken Harbor. And you and y'all should know that we're a huge ton of French fans. So I am really excited for, for this book, uh, Too Close to Breathe. Um, I am excited to, to see if this if this feels at all like a ton of French novel. Um, but it's, it sounds very dark and interesting. And I'm, I'm super excited. 
Yeah, I actually got an advanced reader's copy of this one, but I had forgotten about it because I just have too many books in my house. Um, so when you had put this in the document, I was like, oh, man, I forgot that this one was coming out because I want to read it, obviously, soon. And the reason why I ended up getting a copy of it is because when it was pitched to me, I was like, oh, this sounds like a ton of French novels. So it's funny that you just said that exact same thing. <laughs> Well, good. That means that I'm not totally off base that, that you're not going like, ah, Katie, that does not sound like a ton of French novel. I don't know what you're thinking. <laughs> I was like, maybe it's just because of Dublin. Like in my head, I was like, oh, maybe it's just because it says Dublin. So I'm just like, oh, Dublin automatically makes me think of ton of French. But the fact that you said it too, I'm like, oh, that makes me feel better. <laughs> well, no, because I think it's the like there's like this pristine house with these dark yeah. secrets and getting into the lives of the of the people who were murdered and like the detective has this dark backstory. I'm like, oh, no, that's totally ton of French. <laughs> I agree. All right. Yeah, I have that one. So hopefully I will get to that one soon. Um, but you know, there's so many books. <laughs> All right. Uh, speaking of which, let's get into the books that we have recently read and possibly will be picking up soon. Um, so I have been reading a lot lately. So I read IQ and I also read In Cold Blood and it helps that all of these are really good books. And then I also read Two Girls Down by Louisa Luna. This one came out in January of this year. And I had seen some like moderate buzz about it, but I feel like not too many people had been talking about this one and it was so good. I actually read this one all in one day. I had a Saturday where it was like a pretty free day, which rarely happens for me. So I was like, all right, I'm going to pick up one of the thrillers or books that seem like it would be a relatively fast paced book off my shelves. And I picked this one up and I immediately got sucked in. Um, so I, in this story, uh, you are following the mystery of these two girls who basically disappear from a strip mall parking lot in a small town in Pennsylvania. And so um, they're, I believe it's their aunt, the synopsis says their mother, but I believe it's their aunt hires this bounty hunter named Alice Vega to help find the girls. And Alice Vega has basically gained a reputation for finding um, missing kids. Um, she uh, I think it, the record or something that she had mentioned is that she had been hired for 18 cases and she had found all 18 kids. Um, not all of them had been, I think, like she says, like two were found dead and one was like not completely there when she found her. But basically, she always finds the kid no matter what. Um, so she gets hired for this case. So she travels out to Pennsylvania to uh, figure out what's going on because it's a small town. The local police are very suspicious of her. So she gets shut out by them from the very beginning. Like she approaches them as like to partner with them and figuring out this case because her main concern is literally just finding these girls. She doesn't care about really much else, uh, but the police don't trust her. But the police are also extremely short staffed. They've had budget cuts, so they should have um, partnered with her. But instead she decides to partner with this private detective in town um, named Cap, who used to work on the police force and quit after some incidents occurred, which you find out about in the book. Um, and so the entire book is about trying to find these two girls. And again, it's it's a great page turner. Like if you are looking for something that will like capture your attention, I think that this would be a really good book. Uh, my favorite part of this book is the uh, relationship between Alice Vega and Cap. Um, like Cap is like, this disgraced uh, cop, but he has like, you know, a good heart. Um, in my head, I kept imagining him as like Keith Mars from Veronica Mars because like he's divorced. He has a daughter who's like really smart and clever and seems to like he talks about his cases with her and like she like brainstorms with him and things like that. So like it very much reminded me of like Veronica Mars in that sense. Um, so I highly recommend imagining Keith Mars if you pick up this book as Cap because like it just fits really well. Um, but yeah, it's a really, it's not like a thriller by any means, but I think seeing sort of like the relationship of like the mom who's like lower class and is not necessarily like a perfect mom um, dealing with that situation and also just seeing how like Alice Vega has like a slight like a slight Elizabeth slander sort of attitude to her where she's very much like has a hard exterior shell. Um, if you ever watch The Good Wife, um, there's a, a character on there named Kalinda who I basically was imagining that 
sort of character or like she sort of has like a Jessica Jones type of situation where it's like she wears like all black and like doesn't really let people into her life and things like that. Um, so she's that sort of character and sort of seeing how she handles the case and how like you can see that this means a lot to her because she really truly cares about these kids and wants them to return home and be okay and things like that. And she recognizes that like every minute counts when you're dealing with these kids. Um, so yeah, that one again is called Two Girls Down by Louisa Luna. I think this is her debut novel. So I'm really excited to see um, what else she puts out there. In terms of what I'm going to pick up next, I'm not 100% sure. I'm not in the middle of anything right now. Um, I mean, the book I'm currently reading is Blindness by Jose Saramago, which is not a mystery, but it's sort of like a post, it's sort of like a dystopian or not a dystopian, but it's like horror. It's a, it's a story about how people start going blind um, and they don't really know why I'm pretty early on into the mystery, but I've heard it's sort of also just about like human psyche and how people turn on each other in like desperate situations like that and so it's really dark and it's like impacting my anxiety <laughs> a little bit so I feel like the next book I pick up in terms of like mysteries and things like that it has to be slightly lighter and so I recently got Blanche on the Lamb by Barbara Neely from the library um this is when I saw someone on YouTube talking about and I was like oh that sounds like it would be like so much fun uh Blanche you're following this character named Blanche White who's a 40 year old uh black woman who works as basically like a like a home like a they call it like domestic worker but it's like a maid or a housekeeper um at this house and someone in the household where she works is murdered and she basically becomes like the number one suspect and so she sort of starts looking into the crime in order to like obviously prove her own innocence um so i heard that it's like a really smart fun mystery like um, Blanche has like a lot of attitude and all this stuff so it sounds like that one would be a really fun one to read so I think that's what I'm going to read next especially since I have it out from the library I have limited time with it um, but yeah after that I'm other than that I'm not really sure but that's definitely one I have on my list to read you know when you were talking about was it called The Blindness by Jose Saramago yeah, yeah, yeah you were like it's super dark is how people turn on each other I'm like okay writing that one down <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I'm I'm glad to hear that Two Girls Down is good because I initially was not going to read it because I'm I've been kind of soured on the missing kid psychological thriller trope um, because they're always the ones I've read have always been told from the mother's point of view where the mother is you know she's extremely worried and but she, and she's slightly un slightly unhinged from all the worry but she might be you know she might not be telling the truth and it just it got, it's gotten kind of old after a few books so I'm glad to hear that it's more from like the investigator's perspective and it sounds like it it adds a depth to the story that has been lacking in some of the other books that I've read. So I made sure to jot that one down as well. Yeah, I definitely will recommend, like, I feel like a lot of times, like, this one doesn't have, like, an unreliable narrator, and they, like, automatically, like, cross out some of the more, like, obvious or, like, the ones that you think it's going to be. Like, all of those suspects sort of get crossed out really early on. So, like, who did it? It's a good, like like they answer the question very like the story is written very well like it all makes sense but it's not obvious awesome then i will definitely keep that one on my list that sounds that sounds great um yeah for me i mean the only the only book that i that i have actually finished recently other than atonement which is not a mystery but still everyone needs to read it um it was see what i have done by sarah schmidt um which i i already talked about in terms of with the lizzie borden house um but i will say that this book actually, it has a low rating on Goodreads. It's like 3.2 something stars or something. Um, I gave it five stars. I loved it because it's it's a very visceral sensory type of novel. And if I think people who started reading this book were expecting something with a more linear plot line or something that gave them kind of a sense of closure at the end of the book you don't get that um if you want like if you're not a fan of open endings or stuff with strings left untied don't read this book but the the writing is like i said it's so visceral like there's a certain writing style that i talk about it makes me feel greasy when i read it like i read it and i feel like i need to take a shower and this was kind of one of those books it's not like it's not necessarily 
bloody. I mean, it is, but it's not like, that's not the point of the book. It's just like, you feel the heat and the sweat and the dirt that ever that everyone's dealing with. And then there's also, because one of the facts of the case was that a day or two before, before Lizzie Borden's parents were killed, um, everyone in the house was sick with something, whether it was a stomach ailment or like food poisoning from mutton broth had been left out without proper refrigeration or whatever it is. But they kind of like that keeps cropping up as a theme in the book. So you, you feel a little like you just feel a little nauseous reading this book in, in several ways. But I thought it was really effective. And then paired with the experience of going through the house, I just I thought it was really interesting. Um, so I really loved Loved it. Um, See what I have done by Sarah Schmidt. Um, but it is if you're looking for a more standard like historical suspense novel, something a little bit more mainstream, this one might not be your cup of tea. But if you want to venture outside, definitely give this one a shot. And as far as what I'm starting, I don't know if I can start anything until I finish like the three or four books I've had that I've been leaving unfinished sitting around on my coffee table for the last couple of weeks. So I might I might work on finishing some of those and then we'll see where we go. So I'm I'm just leaving my my starting books as a big old question mark. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's a good enough goal just to finish some stuff. I mean, it still counts as I it's less starting and more currently reading. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's our show. Thanks so much to everyone for listening and checking us out. For show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen and then head over to the Red or Dead page. There'll be links to the articles that we talked about at the top of the show. So you guys can check out about all those adaptations and new books and check out the Bill Clinton and James Patterson trailer because it's hilarious. And then come talk to me about it on Twitter. Um, If you enjoyed this podcast, definitely leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. So that way other people who love mysteries and thrillers and true crime can come check us out and join the community. If you want to email us, you can email us at redordead at bookriot.com. You can send us suggestions for future episodes. People have also just emailed us like general questions about like different types of books. And, you know, people are like, hey, I have a question about a ton of French books and we can easily answer those. Um, So if you want to provide episode suggestions or anything like that, definitely send us an email. Um, We definitely read through all of those, even though like we don't necessarily respond to all of them but we have sort of like a running list of suggestions people have provided us so we can do those future episodes um otherwise you can find me on twitter and instagram i am at rincy a and you can find me on twitter at kt underscore library lady and we will talk to you guys next time bye bye